Oh, we are talking about Coyote somehow. <laughs> Audio courtesy of 19 News. Well, there's no somehow about it. A lot of people are complaining about him on, on their Facebook pages and their communities. And a couple of people at work's like, okay, we get it. I go, no, you have to tell people that you saw a coyote. It's your duty to say, hey, I saw a coyote over here. That's what they're called. Not a scoundrel. They are a menace. And I'm being sent nonstop ring camera right now. Jumping right over eight-foot fences. And I and I, invisible fences. So well, yeah, they're going right through those. I, I've got a couple of texts from neighbors <laughs> going, you know, Ken, if you see one in your backyard, because we do live in a neighborhood, but behind me is just all woods, the swamp, a big field. Bunch of chairs you burned. And the I couches. Said, yeah, yeah, I got a, a bunch of burned furniture out there. It's Old basically fireworks show. It's basically like Avery Salvage from you know Netflix. Uh, so I, I I was like, I can't just go firing off at a coyote. And I go, well, let me let me go check the uh, let me go check with one of my uh, my local city council members. Hey, Liz, where are the kids? I don't know. Well, I got some hunting to do. I told you the snake story. <laughs> I can't say that on the air. Yosemite Ken. I will never forget the look on Liz's faces and all three of my boys in that kitchen for as long as I live. Let's so welcome in John Greco. He's from Boardman. That's not necessarily the country, but he joins us right now on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline, former Cleveland Browns guard, current Browns analyst. John, you live uh, in the country in Powell, correct? Uh, not really. We have I mean, seen, live, we have seen your layout. Zoo. We have seen your layout. It's pretty fantastic. <laughs> Uh, yeah, is it, coyotes are an issue down here too. Um, you know, why I don't, what are their natural predators in Ohio? You know, people, right? Well, somebody had said that not only when they find out one dies, there's something in the sense of the female coyotes. I don't know if any of this is true. It's just things written to me on the internet, uh, that they will produce more pups some way, somehow. So once you get the coyotes, it's impossible to get rid of them. That's interesting. I never heard that, but I, I like you guys there, you know, we hear every day, oh, you know, lock up your animals. There's a coyote, you know, in the area on the loose. I've seen them running around uh, across the road, you know, from time to time. But, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, they're very mysterious creatures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, John Greco, a very mysterious creature, joining us here on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Uh, you've been connected to the Cleveland Browns for some time, John. I, I know you don't spend a lot of time on social media reading the responses and arguments, but... A win for Defensive Player of the Year for Miles Garrett. We assume it would happen over like T.J. Watt, right? Would yeah. that feel like a win for the Browns over the Steelers, at least for their fans? Uh, sure. You know, if 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 that's what we want to feel, and we want to say, "Hey, look, we have the the better defensive player," you know, of course, it, whatever makes you happy. Um, but you know, the fact of the matter is miles is a, a franchise player for the Browns. I, I've, I've heard him say, uh, you know, to the media and, and in public that he wants to be a, a Brown for a long time. And I know that question kind of is always on the back burner that people ask, but yeah, I think he's, I think he truly wants to bring a, bring a, a championship to the franchise. And I think he likes playing here. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, any, any time I, I think that we, can find an excuse to kind of stick it in, in the Steelers' craw, I, I think we should, uh, you know, put that feather in our cap. Um, so, absolutely. I felt the same way. I, I know that, you know, both teams went to the same place. Um, I, I And it does feel like, man, we've been arguing about it forever with Miles Garrett. It would feel like it's justified. It really would. Go ahead, Lima. 
Yeah, I mean, th- what the Steeler fans are saying is, how could a guy get one sack in the final two and a half months of the season, including the playoff game, and win Defensive Player of the Year? And I, I just don't think any fans are going to understand pass rush win rates or pressures because, you know, first of all, some of those are very debatable anyway. So it's just it's just going to be hard for a, a rival fan base as tribal as you know these fan bases are to accept any of that. I mean, they're both amazing, and T.J. Watt. Was uh, was a huge part uh, down the stretch of their defense, you know, making big plays. They're both great. I do think it's Miles' turn to win, but I also know he was injured at the end of the year, and you know that may count against him. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm with you, and we, you know, we've had this conversation over the past few months, uh, you know, specifically about the sack numbers, and uh, you know, I, I don't know, I, I don't know how they vote that if if they'll penalize Miles or if 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 that's that carries a lot of weight because yeah, of course. You know, sacks, that's what, that's what every defensive lineman talks about. Oh, I got two sacks last night. I got one and a half sacks yesterday afternoon. I, you know, it, it, that's, that's their, that is their gold, their manna from heaven. And offensively, as offensive linemen, uh, you know, I, I played great for 60 snaps, but I let up two sacks. Then, you know, then you're in the, you know, unemployment line. So, that's a big number, and that, that's obviously, you know, there's a record that we talk about with sacks. But I think at the same time, you know, there, there's games where you can get kind of sl- sacks that are sloppy, that are, you know, half sacks. You're, you know, you dive on a pile and you're credited half sack. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying, I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm defending Miles because when I think of Defensive Player of the Year and, and kind of MVP-type people, I think that if they were removed – what would what would their unit look like? And I think it's very obvious that if Miles Garrett was not on the field, and and when he's not on the field, the defense looks different. I, I don't I don't think that's that's a big secret to anybody. Same with T.J. Watt. I'll tell you what: if I was playing the Steelers and I knew that guy had a had a ding shoulder or was out, I'd be a hell of a lot happier that I didn't have to play against him. And as as I'm sure every tight end, uh, tackle, guard, quarterback, and offensive coordinator feels about Miles. So it's how important is your player? How vital is he to the success of your unit? And, and I think Miles is, is at the top. John Greco with us right now on the hotline. Uh, the Browns news over the last few days, in fact, I think they tweeted out during the championship Sunday, was that they had hired their new offensive coordinator. We've seen uh, the shakeup on the staff. What do you think it all means? What do you think it means for the head coach and play calling? I, you know, Anthony, I love it, man. I, you, you're right. Tweeting during the games, it's like, look, we're we're already we have already moved on to next season. We could care less what happens here. We've already licked our wounds. We've we've you know watched all the tape, digested everything. Now let's get back to work. And that's what Andrew Barry, that's what Kevin Stefanski, that's what uh, you know Jimmy and D Haslam have done. They have they have regrouped. They have tried to move on and said, hey, look, can we have we can we get better? Where can we get better in their minds? They made a change on offensively in the staff and, and hired some new new people. Uh, and and look, Ken Dorsey, I, I know that obviously I, I don't know if he was the scapegoat in in Buffalo. I, it seemed from an outside perspective that, that that's what it was. I mean, he wasn't out out there throwing interceptions. Uh, and yes, you know the Bills got better when when he left. But I mean, let's be honest, Josh Josh Allen got better and was taking care of the football better. So was that the play call or was that because Ken, Dor- Ken Dorsey's bad energy? I-, I don't know. But you bring a guy in that his offense was, you know, consistently in the top five and top ten in all offensive categories. 
uh, over his time in Buffalo. And, and look, I, I don't know. I would assume Kevin Stefanski is going to still be calling plays because every offensive coach I've been around that, that calls plays, they, they don't want to give that up. But you just hope that, that Dorsey is able to, you know, gel with Deshaun Watson and, and those two were able to come up with a great plan and, and, and kind of have a, have a, a, an, an awesome scheme moving forward that, you know, Deshaun's the, the guy that we want and that we need uh, to take this team to the next level. John Greco joining us here on the show. Every time I hear about Ken Dorsey, I always want to call him John Dorsey. And then I almost called you John Dorsey because I had John Dorsey on the brain because I kept thinking about the mistakes I was making calling Ken Dorsey John Dorsey. John Greco joining us here on the show. Well, I thought that this might be, if he wanted to, it might be the perfect time. But I got accused of standing on the fence yesterday by one of our uh, media brethren here in town and on this station, John, because I'm going, hey, if Kevin Stefanski decided to call plays again, I don't think I'd be upset whatsoever. I don't think I'd be upset if he decided to hand it off with Ken Dorsey because he's had experience with Josh Allen and Cam Newton, and these are specific types of quarterbacks. So I could see the reasoning in that. What I do wonder, though, or fear of, and I can't live in my fears forever, John, but like we start the season off and it's not so great, and if he hands off play calling well, he shouldn't hand it off play calling. Or if he doesn't hand off play calling well, you know we're going to hear the opposite of that. Yeah, and that's the that's the nature of this business. I mean, it's easy for us fans, media, uh, to do that, and that's that's our jobs as fans and, and people in the media uh, to to criticize and to critique and to you know have under a microscope everything that, that these these organizations that we we love you know they they do. Um, but no, I, I don't think that it's going to be. I, I think they're going to say, look, it, it's all in or, or not. And that's, you know, if you go do anything but that, that's when things get sloppy. So I think that those two minds, Ken Dorsey, Kevin Stefanski, are going to come together with Deshaun Watson. And to your point, yeah, he's coached some, uh, you know, unique players and, and some some guys that are, you know, one ones of one, and that's what Deshaun Watson is. So they have to come up with a plan and say, hey, look, here's here's some things that I see. Here's some tendencies that I see that we can maybe break. Here's some strengths that I've picked up on just from an outside perspective, uh, talking about Ken Dorsey uh, with Deshaun Watson. And, and I think between Kevin's mind and Ken's mind, they can come up with a solid plan that Deshaun can execute. And, and look, the running game is going to look different next year. You're going to have some, some, uh, some key guys back. And if they can just be balanced and, and attack the ball downfield and, and mix in that run game, I think we're going to be okay. Because you look at everything that happened this year and what Kevin Stefanski's play calling did with, you know, three, four, five different starting quarterbacks, guys injured on the offensive line, all the things that we all know, I think he still did a, uh, a terrific job. And, and I think each, in each game, you know, he was trying to make big splash plays, and, and, and some of them were busts. And, and it's easy for us to say, oh, my God, that looked so bad. That looked like they looked like Keystone Cops out there because – we're trying to get too cute at times. Well, I just think that's what we have to live with. I think that's, that's Kevin Stefanski's, uh, you know, he, he likes to, you know, mix in those trick plays. And I've always said it throughout the week when we dissect these plays that, that go awry during the games, they, they don't just pick those out of the hat and decide to run them on Sundays. They're practicing and, and executing them during the week, but they just weren't in the game. So I'm trying to have patience. I'm looking forward to seeing what the two-headed monster uh, at, at offensive coordinator and head coach look like. Uh, paired with Deshaun Watson. John Greco with us. Do you mind if I take you down uh, a thought experiment? 
I love it. Let's do it. All right, John. I saw and heard from many people over the last few days that Lamar Jackson cannot win the big game. Then I saw an article on a very popular media blog that said, will Kyle Shanahan finally prove he can win the big game? My question to you is, if the two-time MVP has not won any big games and Kyle Shanahan, who's one of the top three coaches in the NFL, has not won big games, what constitutes a big game? Well, I think for the, for the 49ers, it's, it's winning, getting over that hump and actually winning the, 49, the, the Super Bowl, right? And, uh, I, you know, Lamar Jackson looks terrific until one game. And, and I told you guys that on my show, on the show, uh, I think a couple weeks ago, you know, it doesn't matter. You see teams throughout history that have ripped off 10, 11 wins in a row. And then all of a sudden they show up and, and, and you know, you look at our win against Pittsburgh a couple years ago, snaps over the quarterback's head, untimely turnovers, mistakes, penalties. You know, when you get out of your, you know, comfort zone, not comfort zone, but when you see teams do things that are uncharacteristic of what got them to this moment, that's when guys lay eggs and, and, and you fall short. And you saw Baltimore do that with the penalties, with the taunting. Uh, that, you know, you didn't see Baltimore doing that all year. Uh, maybe they just weren't calling it. But I think in order for them to, to break that, you know, get out of that conversation, Lamar Jackson is going to be a terrific player for, for a long time. And unfortunately for us, a long time in this division. Um, but, you know, in their world, if we went to a, a ripped off a bunch of playoff wins and seasons to where Deshaun Watson, the MVP, and we just couldn't get, get over the AFC championship and into the Super Bowl, we'd be thrilled, ecstatic for, you know, maybe one or two years. But then we, we'd start pointing the fingers and saying, why can't we win the big one? And, and the big one, Anthony and, and Ken, let's be honest, is the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And that's what Kyle's trying to figure out, and that's what Lamar's trying to figure out. You have MVP seasons, and you're falling short. Why? I don't know. Uh, Bill Callahan, how big is it to retain him? It's, it's massive. Uh, we talked about that. That was the big fear of his son went, uh, went on and, and got kind of a lead role because obviously in Cincinnati, you know, coordinator, you're not going to try to pluck your dad. But, uh, you know, yes, it, I think that that should be uh, a top priority, especially with new faces coming in on, in, on that staff. Uh, Bill is kind of the foundation and the rock and, and the run scheme, and the protection game, talking with the running backs, talking with the tight ends, working with this terrific offensive line, um, because we can't have any situation to where a, a strength that, that has been the, the foundation of this offense for a number of years all of a sudden is the issue. So, yes, I think he needs that. That, sh- that should be a top priority and, and hope he uh, is retained and comes back. John, uh, what do I expect real quick off the tippy top? What do I do with Jack Conklin next year? Uh, you know. Because you paid him. Uh, you paid him. So, obviously, look, when Jack is healthy, there's a reason why he, he makes so much money. But he hasn't he, been he healthy in three years. I know. Yeah. I know. And, and, and that's the thing. So, uh, same with Nick Chubb. You know, he's coming back. You, you have to roll the dice. You're paying guys. They are, you know, foundations of your offense. I, I mean, you know, you, you already – I know that they were tweaking Jack's uh, contract and everything and trying to front-load it and turning everything into signing bonus money. But for him, it's it, – you know, there's really – he's going to be on the roster, obviously. And if he's healthy, great. And then, I, you know, 
at, at some point, if you have multiple years where you have season-ending injuries, I think that's more of a personal conversation to where it's like, you know, how much more can my body sustain? John, can't thank you enough for the time. It's wonderful to talk to you, and uh, keep an eye out for the Coyotes, bud. Guys, thank you, uh, and always watch out for the deer, the coyotes, muskrats, anything that's running around in these streets. I heard the mink are out and about this time of year. John, thank you. <laughs> All right, guys, have a good week. You too. John Greco on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Okay, coming up at 9 o'clock, we'll have Ty Dunn. Now, he wrote a big piece about Ken Dorsey saying that he was a scapegoat for Sean McDermott in the Buffalo situation. Also, we have Billy Joel, Rod Stewart, tickets to give away, 920. Make sure you're listening for the code word there. And all you have to do is say this, and you'll be right 98% of the time. Ken Carmen, Anthony Lima, live on the fan.